Okay, last week we talked about the power of forgiveness. And one of the things that's worth mentioning uh, that we probably didn't emphasize so much last week is how asking for forgiveness transforms us when we do it the right way. Uh, If you were not, if you didn't get a hold of that message yet, please make sure you go online. Uh, Go to our YouTube channel there and go uh, listen, watch that message from last week. True forgiveness brings change on a a heart level, and the level of our heart, and the level of, you can't separate your heart from your spirit, okay? It's, It's like, when we say heart, it's our inner being. It's the core of who we are. And that's where we want to experience transformation. Forgiveness uh, true forgiveness is based on repentance. And if repentance is true, then it brings forgiveness and brokenness. And it brings us into a place of humility. Uh, it breaks pride in us. When, when you and I have to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness from someone, it dis- disconnects us from the fake images that we put on. Of course, nobody in here joining us online would probably ever do that. And it brings us into a place of God-honoring humility. Amen? So, true forgiveness is based on repentance. True repentance brings brokenness and humility, okay? And that's what we're talking about this weekend. I want to present to you the truth about the power of brokenness. Many of us, in fact, most of us, usually want to run away from any kind of situation that would cause us to be exposed to hurt, to embarrassment or disappointment, Yet all of us suffer from these things from time to time. And let's be honest, brokenness is something that we try to avoid. We try to avoid it at all costs sometimes, but the cost of avoiding it is way higher than the cost of maybe having to be transparent or vulnerable or exposing ourselves to possible criticism or embarrassment. An old-time pastor had this to say, God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth the perfume. It is Peter, the betrayer, weeping bitterly, who returns to greater power than ever before. Amen. Amen. Now, although Jesus promises us abundant life, Sometimes the door to that abundant life is through brokenness. It's never pride. It's never self-preservation. I don't know if if you've gotten to this point in your walk with the Lord, but I found this out very early on. You and I receive nothing from God unless we become vulnerable. I'm going to say it again. Unless you're willing to become vulnerable... Unless you're willing to, to, to get out, get, get right out there on the edge and be vulnerable and be transparent and be open, you are very rarely going to receive anything or, or you're very rarely going to sense the presence of God. Because there's a principle in the word that we don't talk enough about, the fact that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And there are times that we're given a choice between living the easy life And a life of service or self-sacrifice and humiliation, we need to consider this when we're given that opportunity. When you're faced with an opportunity to possibly suffer emotionally, but come up on the other side of that thing a different person, 
Consider this. Broken people learn to be dependent on God way more than on self. Once you've gone through a process of brokenness, just think about busting up all the tough places, busting up all the hard places. Uh, You know, when you have a solid shell, nothing can penetrate. Sometimes we need to go through some things. And I'm not saying that God always leads us or causes us to put ourselves in a position like that, that that even sometimes the enemy attacking you may lead to a, a period of brokenness. It's not that God is saying, okay, devil, go ahead, sick him. It's that God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the process that you're going to be walking through. And he knows what he can use that process for. Amen? Amen. So broken people learn to depend on God way more than on self. Broken people, listen to this now, broken people are much more willing to help other broken people. Amen. Do you notice when you go something really traumatic in life, when you go through something in life, it, all of a sudden, it opens your heart to others. Even sometimes, you may have been in a situation. I found myself once in a situation. Um, I had never been in a hospital in my life, never been in any kind of procedure in my life. And then a number of years ago, I found myself in that situation. And I was only in the hospital for like two nights. And I came out of that like, oh my God, that's what this feels like. You know, being up all night making deals with God. Like, Lord, if you get me through this, if I come, you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and what it did to me, we had, we had a member of this church, a young man who had battled cancer for years, years, probably six years, and ended up going home to be with the Lord. And that man was in the hospital. I, don't, I couldn't even count how many times. And after I had my, my situation, you know, you come through that now, you, you, you get broken, but out of that brokenness, there's a humility, there's a, uh, there's a sensitivity, there's a compassion that develops. And I remember as soon as I saw his widow, I went up to her and I said, man, I had no idea what your husband was going through all this time. I had no idea how traumatic it is uh, to be in the hospital facing a life and death situation and I said to her, if I ever showed any insensitivity, I am so sorry. What happens? That brokenness will transform you. Are you getting this? Yes. So broken people learn to depend on God way more than on self. Broken people are much more willing to help other broken people. And broken people become trophies of God's grace. Now, in the Old Testament, we've got a story of the life of a family who endured much tragedy. But through their brokenness... God was glorified. I want us to go to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, so I want you to follow me. If you're joining us online, please, I hope you got your Bible. I hope if you've got the split screen and you can see your own scriptures there. Verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, so this is the time period right after Joshua has passed off the scene, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, in Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. In other words, he's outside now of Israel. He's not in God's promised land. He has taken his wife and his two sons, and he's gone to a territory outside of the 12 tribes, okay? Uh, verse, verse two, the name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mehlon and Chilion. Ephratites of Bethlehem. They came from, from that area, Bethlehem and Judah. 
And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. They married women outside that were not in covenant with God. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they did dwell there about 10 years. Then both Malon and Chelion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So now we've got a widow. At least she had her sons. Now the sons are married. Now they're all widowed. We've got three widows in this situation. They've left, they've lost their loved ones. They've lost their protectors. This is such a sad story because they're forced to leave their homeland due to a famine. No water, no crops, no food. They arrive in the land of Moab, which is on the eastern side of the Dead Sea, stretching today would be in modern-day Jordan, where the inhabitants did not worship or serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they served pagan gods. Then Naomi's husband dies, leaving her in a foreign land with two sons that are now married with foreign women, and then the two sons die. Now the three women are left without support, without protection, without hope. Now, Naomi hears that the famine that forced them to leave their land is over with and that the land of Judah, once again, is prosperous. uh, So she's going to return to Bethlehem. She releases her daughters-in-law to return to their parents so that they can remarry and they can enjoy a good life. Verse 10. Then they, the two daughter-in-law, said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they are grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, we're going to find out that that's her opinion, okay? Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Catch that. The one daughter-in-law is like, see ya. Goes back with her family, but Ruth clung to her. And she, Naomi, said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not, or we would say today, Don't beg me to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you from me. This is, listen to me, this is covenant language. This is classic covenant language. She is bonding herself to Naomi. She is making a vow. Nothing is going to split me from you. Nothing is going to cause me to separate from you. I'm in this for the long term. And that, my friends, is a very valuable commodity that we see very little of anymore. If there's one thing that, let me tell you, there's one thing that I've learned about the Lord is that he honors those who are loyal He honors those that are respectful. He honors those who show honor to others. 
And Ruth declares that she will stay and care for her husband's mother, even though she's no longer obligated to do so. And listen, listen, in her brokenness, she doesn't take the easy way out. She remains committed to Naomi. Verse 19, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She's been gone for, for at least probably 15, 20 years. But she said, now, now listen here. I want you to see this. Let's not just read this and let it just float over our heads. The, the condition of Naomi's heart is going to be revealed in what she says. Okay? Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me back home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? Man, this statement is very revealing. She said, don't call me Naomi. Naomi in Hebrew means sweet. But call me Mara, which means bitter. This, my friends is the danger of the victim mentality. The victim, when a person sees themselves as a victim, they twist the truth in order to cover up a mistake, to cover up a sin, to cover up a lie. It's everybody else. Everybody's against me. In her case, she's saying even God is against me, which is the furthest thing from the truth. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord brought me back empty. No, that's a complete lie, because they left Bethlehem because they were empty. They left Bethlehem because it was in the middle of the famine. Be careful about how you, how you romanticize your past, because let me tell you what we do, and most, most of us would not want to admit to it. We go through a situation. It's a horrible situation. We get on the other side, and then we face, when we face another adversity, we start to romanticize. Well, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. I had a situation, most of you, many of you probably know that we used to be in the restaurant business many years ago because all the crazy people are in the restaurant business. And that's where I left all my hair, in the restaurant business. <laughs> Tough. Hardly made any money. Eventually lost everything, lost the restaurant, lost our homes, lost everything. So here I am one day, now I'm going to sell off all the equipment that I have left because I swore at that point I would never go back into the restaurant business. So I'm in, I'm in a storage unit that we had. I forget where it was, someplace around here. And someone's meeting me to buy all the equipment that we took out of the restaurant and put in the storage unit. I'm walking around. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm, it's just me. It's just me and God, because the Holy Ghost is always with us. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I used to enjoy cooking. I used to enjoy doing so. I used to enjoy doing all this special stuff. I used to enjoy coming up with my own recipes. And it was like God was in the room saying, and what about the times you went home crying at night? And what about the times when you get there at 6 o'clock in the morning and throw yourself on the floor in the dining room and say, God, get me out of this place, please? What about all the time? What about all you missed with your kids while you were working 14 hours a day? You see, what I was doing, I was romanticizing because I was feeling bad. But thank God that the Holy Ghost jerked the slack out of that. Okay, so what's Naomi doing? She's doing, she's romanticizing. She forgot that the whole reason they had to leave Bethlehem and go to a land where pagan gods are worshipped is because they didn't have anything to eat. They had nothing. There's a famine. There's no rain. If there's no rain, there's no crops. If there's no crops, there's no food. 
Be careful how you romanticize. Be careful how you talk about the good old days. She forgot whose fault it was that they ended up in Moab. Amen? And the truth is, God could have sustained them had they trusted them. Why? Everybody didn't leave Bethlehem. There were still people that stayed. There were still people that trusted God. Amen? So, she's grown bitter. That's why she wants to be called Mara. She doesn't want to be called Naomi. And it's because she had the wrong ideas about God. Let me tell you something, okay? Church, listen to me closely. The way we see God determines the way we receive or don't receive from God. I'll say it again. The way we see God is going to determine whether you're going to receive from him or not receive from him. Obviously, until this point, she's not receiving anything. Why? Because she's got the wrong opinion and the wrong, she's made the wrong assessment about God. She thinks it's God that's against her. It's not that they made a mistake and left a place that they should have stayed. The wrong perspective creates wrong beliefs. And in the word of God, there are certain must believes. Say that with me. Must believes. There are certain things you and I must believe. I'll say it again. There are certain things that you and I must believe. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'll read it again. Okay, because this is important. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You catching this? So if we diligently seek him, we can expect what? A reward. All right. So we need to be careful not to allow the trials of life to cause our heart to become embittered against God, even as we see that happened to Naomi. You start entertaining wrong beliefs about him. He's faithful to walk us through every trial and tribulation in life and to bring us into the next season of blessing if we keep the right attitude about him. Even that blessing. And you're going to see that the blessing that Naomi needed and the blessing that Ruth needs is going to come on the other side of brokenness. Are you getting this? There's a, don't, don't be afraid of brokenness. Do not, because you don't really know what you're capable of until you're put into a position to possibly have everything ripped out from underneath you or to possibly be just trashed emotionally. Now, I'm not saying that God is this sadistic monster in heaven that sits there and goes, come on, let's see what we can devise to let them go through this time. No, it's just that we're living on a cursed earth. We're living in a world that is just saturated with sin and under the curse. And so by living here, we're going to encounter some things. Now, he knows that. He understands that. And so you and I have to understand, and you and I must grasp the reality, not to be afraid to go through things in life, because God is there with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But what ends up happening sometimes in our life is that we, uh, we don't want to experience discomfort. We don't want to experience exposure. We don't want to experience putting ourselves in a position to be hurt. 
And sometimes life is just that way. Am I the only one that's found out? Who has found out that sometimes you're going to get hurt in life? So, so what should we do? If we're going to go through them anyway, then it's better for us to just submit ourselves to God. Now, I'm not saying put up with stuff that the devil brings us. I'm not saying that sit, just lay there and roll over and play dead and let the devil roll over you. Because there's some people who do this. Well, you know, this is God's will for my life. No, 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 no. Okay? But there are sometimes we're going to go through some things emotionally. There's sometimes we're going to have an opportunity to suffer loss. Whether it's through a mistake that we made, whether it's through sin that we got involved in. But if we'll allow God to bring us through, look at it this way. You're going to go through it. You're either going to come out Mara or you're going to come out Naomi. Are you listening? You're either going to come out bitter or you're going to come out better. So if you and I would just put ourselves, look, God, you know what's ahead of me. You know what's in my life. You know what's in my future. Whatever's good, I'm putting myself in your hands, trusting that no matter what happens, you're going to bring me through on the other side and I'm going to come up a different person. I will be transformed by that brokenness. Amen? Amen. So let's look what happens here, okay? Now, because what's going to happen is going to be transforming for both Ruth and Naomi. Now, um, they don't have any food. Naomi returns, Ruth returns with her. They come back from the country of Moab and they come to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, which if I'm not mistaken, is in the spring. Okay? So they're coming at a time of harvest. Why? Because they submitted themselves to some brokenness. They're trusting God. They don't have a guarantee of what's going what's to happen in Bethlehem. They have no guarantee. It's been a couple of decades since they've been there. It's a miracle that anyone recognized her. But they're taking a step of faith. Now, listen. They got to Bethlehem. No food. And they get there during harvest time. Look at the mercy of God. According to the law of Moses, during harvest time, the harvesters are commanded to leave some of the crops or some of the grain at the edge of the field for the poor and the destitute. And although it was meant by God to show mercy to those that were needy and poor and just had no food, ungodly landowners at time would use it as an opportunity to humiliate the poor. So knowing that there's no food to eat, Ruth offers to go and pick the leftovers of the field of a man named Boaz. He's a relative of Naomi's husband. When Boaz, who's a kind man, noticed her, he took pity on her. Then it was explained to him by his workers that she asked permission under the law of Moses. So her mother-in-law obviously told her about this to pick through the leftovers that she worked and that she was faithful and hardworking and she worked from early morning until late at night. Verse eight, then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen to me, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean, in other words, pick the leftovers in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. In other words, you're under my protection now. 
I've already given my servants, I've already given my employees direction and instruction. Verse 10, so she fell on her face, bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Verse 11, and Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Wow. And how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now, now, now she's still in an embarrassing situation. She still has to go pick out of the leftovers. But when you read this on your own, and I hope that you will, you'll see that at one point Boaz tells his servants, leave a little extra. Don't, when you go through the field, don't go through it. Like, you know, don't, don't be greedy and take every little thing. Leave a little extra so that she can, she can be blessed. What does it teach us? It teaches us when we have the right attitude and trust God, even in the hardest of times, it always gets noticed. First of all, by the Lord himself, and then secondly, by people. You know people are watching us? Do you know people are watching us? Even within our, 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 our family here, even within the church family, we have some that have been walking with the Lord for decades and decades. We have others that are newcomers to the faith. The newcomers are watching. They're seeing how we're walking through life, how we're handling things. You and I have such a responsibility to make sure that we set the right example. Brokenness can either produce bitterness or blessing. The choice is ours. Now watch this now. Naomi tells Ruth, now here's what I want you to do. Now, when Naomi finds out whose field Ruth has been gleaning from, has been harvesting, she knows who Boaz is. Ruth doesn't yet. So she says to Ruth, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go wash up, perfume yourself, get your nicest clothes. And, he's, and she said, now, now his men are going to be working at night in the fields. Because, you know, harvest time, you jump in and you got to do what you got to do. And she said, when Boaz lies down to sleep, then you go and take yourself and put yourself at his feet. Now, this is not a sexual thing here. Okay? Because let me tell you something. For a woman to have to uncover a man's feet and lay at his feet is a humbling experience. I'm not suggesting it. But this is the tradition and the custom of the land. Because Naomi knew when Boaz sees what Ruth does, he knows what it means. It's, in other words, please take me under your wing. Please let me come under your umbrella of protection. Now, Again, according to the law of Moses, in order to preserve the family name, the closest living relative to Naomi's husband would be given the opportunity to marry Ruth, to purchase the property that belonged to their family. And so, again, for the sake of time, I'm just giving you the highlights here. Please read the book of Ruth for yourself because it's an amazing love story. Amazing. 
So Boaz goes and searches out who is the nearest relative to Elimelech. You remember Naomi's husband? And he finds out who it is, and he goes to this man. And you know, now her reputation is all over Bethlehem. Everybody knows, not only is she loyal, but she's good looking too. She's a hardworking woman. She knows how to honor. So, so the guy's like, yeah. But then he figures out in his head, wait a second. If I buy their property, I may endanger my inheritance. And so he backs off. And then Boaz says, if you're backing off, I'm going to marry her. And this man buys the property that, was, that belonged to Naomi's husband. And with the property comes Ruth. That's humbling in itself. Because in our mindset, we would think with Ruth comes the property. Here's another opportunity for her to humble herself. Because she's being, for all practical purposes, auctioned off. Now here she is after having suffered so much disappointment, so much humiliation. Now she's got to deal with and contend with in her own head. Who am I going to end up with? Because I don't have a say in this matter. Whoever's the closest relative has the right to purchase me. Another opportunity for brokenness. So, this man Boaz, this kind, generous man, wanting to shield her from shame and further humiliation, offers to speak to the other relative, goes through the whole process, purchases the property. And here she is now. Ruth, the husbandless, the broken, the one who left her father and mother to follow a hopeless widow. She stood by her side, submitted herself to a life of service in a land not her own. Ruth's reward for her humility, for her brokenness, that she becomes the wife of the richest, most honored man in Bethlehem. She conceives and gives birth to a son and presents Naomi with a little grandson. And they gave him the name Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David, who becomes the king of Israel. And therefore, the ancestor of the Messiah, Jesus, the son of God. She's in his lineage. Brokenness. And the truth of the matter is, it's our very brokenness that brings us wholeness. You don't know what broken, you don't know what really wholeness is. You don't know what shalom really is until you've gone through some brokenness. Because without brokenness, you don't recognize the wholeness. I hope you got that. So, We may know how we come to to a place of brokenness because many times we set ourselves up for it. We may be very much aware of our mistakes that brought us there, but we have no idea how God is going to use that brokenness and the power it has to transform us. This year, church, please, let us be submitted to God, fully dependent on him. 
to bring us through every adversity, every trial, through every hurt, every disappointment. Let's be determined to let the Holy Spirit use the very things that try to destroy us to sharpen us, to shape us, to mold us into the person that God desires us to be. Please, please, don't waste your adversity. Don't waste your lessons. Don't waste any of that stuff. Let me wrap this up with telling a personal story here, a personal side of my wife and I's experience. When we lost everything years ago in the restaurant business, we still have four kids to raise, four sons who like to eat. After many, many years of barely making it, dependent on those who God would speak to to bless us and help us, provide us with food, provide kids' shoes, clothes. Through so many times of feeling humiliated, having to take groceries from the church, we submitted to it. We kept serving God. We kept helping others that had it worse than ourselves. We kept believing and confessing the faithfulness of God. And God used those times of brokenness, listen to me. God used our personal experience of humiliation, of constantly being under the gun of like, are we going to have food this week for our kids? Believing God for every day's worth of work to come in so we could pay our bills. After having been stripped of everything. But God used that to develop in my wife and I and in our family a heart of compassion for people that are in need. And we went from taking groceries from a church to giving out tens of thousands of shopping carts full of groceries because God used that brokenness. God used that brokenness to open up a door of opportunity for us to say, whatever we, gonna, whatever we can possibly do to make sure that someone else never has to be in that position, we'll do. But it comes with brokenness. And the brokenness opens up opportunities and opens up doors of opportunity and opens up doors of resources. When you go next door and you see the food pantry that's there, you see the warehouse that's there, you see the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of food that are there. It came because we were determined we were not going to let our circumstance change our name to Mara. I appreciate that. I don't share it for applause. I share it to make the point. You're going to listen to me. I'm going to wrap this up right now. You're going to go through things in life. Be determined that if you're going to go through it and you're going to suffer, that you're going to take all the gold out of every situation you possibly can. And you're going to, you're going to say, devil, you, you, may, you may, may look like you're winning right now. But when I come out on the other side of this thing, I'm going to be empowered to the point where I'm going to trance all over you. Are you listening? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that Jesus is our Boaz. <laughs> Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is the one that purchased us. Jesus is the one 
who rescued us. And he's the one that's closer than a brother. He paid for us. He brought us out of the bondage of slavery. He redeemed us with his life and his blood. And he brought us out of our brokenness and brought us into a place of wholeness and in relationship with you, Father. Lord, you brought us out of a land of famine, of scarcity, of love, scarcity, of stability. You took us and purchased us off the auction block. And we're so grateful for that, Father. And now we're determined that no matter what we go through, we're going to allow you and give you the permission to use it, to use the brokenness, to use the times of humiliation, to use the times of disappointment, to use the times of betrayal, and to bring us up on the other side, Lord, with a completely different sense of your presence and sense of your anointing and power that we, in turn, having been broken, can now help others that are broken through the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in each and every one of us. Father, we bless you. Father, we praise you. We trust you. We depend on you for everything in our lives. We are content to place ourselves in your hands. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. If you're here, you need prayer for anything. When we are dismissed in just a moment, I would ask you please to come forward. Those of you that are joining us online, please, you can make a, a request for prayer right there. You can just put it in, even in the chat portion or there's a, there's a button that you can click on if you need prayer. We want to minister to you. Now, if there are those that are either watching or joining us online or, or here in person, Jesus is your redeemer. Jesus purchased your life. If you have never yet up until this point responded in such a way as to open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to draw your heart to his. If you've never prayed a simple prayer to ask Jesus to be your Lord and to be your Savior. We want to do that. We want you, before you leave this place, if you've never prayed that simple prayer, please give us the honor and give us the privilege of praying that prayer with you. Those of you that are joining online, you can, you can receive prayer for salvation right there. One of our hosts be there to reach out to you. Just indicate, I want to pray. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I hope this has been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing for me to teach this message. Uh, I look forward to seeing us being transformed, all of us, as we submit ourselves to God and to his will in our lives. Amen. 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 God bless you.